What up, bros? I don't like how you could be that loud, but I can't be that loud. Anyway, <laughs> this is Bra Meets World. But it's Bra Meets World. Your Boy Meets World fan cast. I am Siege. I'm Tony Curtis. How are you, sir? Donathy, how's it going? It's going well. You know, we're getting into a very meaty part of the series. I'm really excited. We have some guests on today. I'm very excited to talk to. So I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm really excited to talk to this episode for not only our guests, which we will introduce in just a second, but specifically what, like, I feel like we are just at a point in time when they really are trying to be heavy with their storytelling, yeah. but they also don't want to let go of being like this TGIF fun sitcom so we're, we're getting some really interesting things at this point in time um, as they try to merge the comedy and the drama yeah sometimes they hit sometimes they miss absolutely but speaking of hits or miss um <laughs> that's a weird way to but you, didn't know, <laughs> you didn't know where i was going with this give me a moment okay okay, I was okay just right, gonna right. say tc when yes. was the last time do you remember the last movie that you actually rented like vhs style or like from a blockbuster vhs like in-person rental yeah when was the last time you did an in-person rental don't ever remember the last one i did just rent mrs doubtfire off of itunes like yesterday (laughs) um but other than that nothing that's a really like i'm just trying to think of the last one that i bought and i think it was like a final destination incredible like Which, I hope it, yeah, please not the first one. Anything but the first <laughs> well, one. Well, I love the first one, but no, the two... first one's the best. The rest of them are just so bad that they're good. That's why I love them. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Anyway, that whole segue, which was very clunkily put together, was to <laughs> to introduce our guests. You will know them from the No More Late Fees podcast. Welcome, Jackie and Danielle. Hey. Hello. Hi. Uh, thank Hi. you guys for dealing with our uh, clunky exposition. Oh, no, <laughs> Isn't it. that really sad that you have to like think about the last thing you rented or bought from Blockbuster? Gosh, it was such a joy on a Friday night to go to a Blockbuster. You stop and pick up some pizza on the way home. You're set. You're set for the weekend. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. I uh, I used to do Albertsons. Albertsons had that video. 99 cents. Thank you. Like, <laughs> I'm doing Albertsons of the library. We saving money up in here. (laughs) Honestly, that was the way. My mom got so mad because she had late fees and she was pissed (laughs) that she had to pay them. So like she made a big stink. She cut up her card and everything. It wasn't until I started working at Blockbuster that we like reignited going to Blockbuster again because I got like, what was it? Five free rentals. You got that hookup. Yeah. <laughs> I love that there's a legitimate backstory to the name of your podcast. It's like, <laughs> my mother had enough. <laughs> well, Jackie and I met in high school. Um, and then we, Jackie started working at Blockbuster first. And then Amazing. I got a job at another Blockbuster. And then we ended up being able to work at the same one. Um, so she was my boss. God help her, poor thing. <laughs> I got some complaints because I was sassy, um, <laughs> but never fired. So that that's all. Sassy good. is just code for black. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not having it today. Not. I, I just got in the habit of like my district manager's number is up there. Right. Just leave there me you go. out of it. Have it, <laughs> have it ready. Can we ask, what is your history with Boy Meets World? You know, you guys definitely, your podcast talks about kind of nostalgia and 90s things. Um, do, did you watch it at the time? Did you watch it in reruns? What impact did it have on you? What's your story? We loved it. I mean, like we were diehard TGIFers ourselves. Oh, yeah. Sure. Boy Meets World. Both of us very much watched all of it. I, I even watched Girl Meets World as well. Oh, I, wow. I, I love More people who've actually done that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, wh Who's your favorite characters from Boy Meets World? Y'all already Stupid know who mine is. It, who's yours? I'm actually interested. Uh, Angela. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Like, so here's the thing. I was like, we also have Turned On by Turner, and we get that a lot from other people. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I was but like, Angela, absolutely, that representation. Jackie, what was yours? Stupid Eric. Stupid like, Eric. Eric. I delineate. Like, I don't like when Eric is normal. Like, really? Like, he becomes dumb. <laughs> I'm in. You I'm love a himbo. Oh, I love a himbo. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. You know, we've been talking about Eric's transition a lot because we're in season six now and it's becoming more and more apparent. And yeah. it's always interesting to hear people's takes on Eric, but you're just like, hey, I'm here for the silliness. You're into I it. I am. The, awesome. Like the, the first season where he's like a normal older brother, I'm like, can we fast forward this? Like, let's get to dumb Eric, please. <laughs> Eric's also like, well, Wilford L's comedy and like yes. his like just the way he puts his entire body into the character is so much so fun to watch. And I feel like even like in this episode that we're about to cover, Eric was some of my favorite parts about it. I was yes. just like, Eric is really like he brings a lightness and a joy to the series that I don't know if the show would have been sa the same without him. 100%. I agree. Yeah. I, and I think it's it could have been very cringy dependent on the actor playing eric but like yeah. you said he just does it with such great timing and that little twinkle in his eye i just love it you can really tell how much of the character is will Friedle based off of how they originally wrote him and then as they started writing him as they started to learn his strengths like he really brought eric and made him the character that we all know and love a hundred percent agree. I think I I really feel like the transition of why he changed from being smart to silly is because I think the producers and writers just got to know his personality, and yep. it just makes the most sense. Because other than that, I don't I don't know what happened there. We have a lot of theories. We have well, a lot, lot of theories. Of theories. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like we um we have a guest in a future episode who uh, spoke about he thinks that like a lot of Eric's response is from trauma um and I just think that that's such a fascinating look because there is like yeah. a point in time where Eric goes from like really trying to I don't know like be normal and then like there's he a tries to point. graduate he tries yeah. to get into college <laughs> he like struggles all the time he tries to have a successful relationship and then he just begins acting out more and more for attention his parents start paying less attention to him it's 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 an interesting theory that like even in this episode i kind of thought about a little yeah, bit absolutely yeah. i like the theory that um it's from the perspective of Corey and yes one of my favorites like we idolize our older siblings cousins whatever and as we start to get older we realize they're not so bright or you know 
Um, I like that one. That that's a very forgiving theory because <laughs> as accurate Absolutely. as it is, it does like give Michael Jacobs a lot of credit that he had that <laughs> theory from the beginning. But right. in order of just interpreting it from rewatching it, it's a beautiful way to see it because you know you're right. As we grow up, we understand our siblings and our parents so much better, and our understanding of them changes as well. So totally makes sense. All right, are you guys ready to talk about this episode? Yeah. I'm so excited to, like, I'm really, you know what? I'm also happy that we have, like, two, like, we get multiple viewpoints on what I, again, I will say is, like, two really interesting storylines. I feel like either storyline could have been enough for an episode, and the fact that we get both makes me want to, like, deep dive into this. Yes, definitely. Um, but in order to do that, I feel like we're going to have to do the tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. Sean and Jack process a lot. Topanga and Corey don't know each other as well as they thought. And Jack and Rachel share a kiss but end up getting caught. Okay, Doja Cat with the fast lyrics <laughs> mid. There was a lot in this episode. I had there was a lot in. going on. Speaking of a lot going on. All right, I'm about to get into this recap, which is very long, so bear with me. But uh, this is season six, episode 14, Getting Married. Getting hitched. Quote, uh, getting hitched. Is it hitched? Hold on. Yeah. I thought it was. Yeah. I copied it from the thing, but I'll say getting hitched. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hold on. This is season six, episode 14, getting hitched. Corey and Topanga play the fiance game to prove how compatible they are and are appalled when Eric and Rachel prove to know far more about each other than they do. Topanga suggests a quick solution. They should live together on campus and really get to know each other. Mm-hmm. Corey mistakenly thinks this means sex and buys silks, pajamas, and sheets. But living together shows them sides of each other they are not too crazy about. Meanwhile, in a B storyline, Sean has ignored Jack's repeated calls about clearing out Chet's trailer and, once persuaded, is freshly outraged to discover evidence that Chet went to Jack's stepfather for help in financing Sean's college education. He decides to take the trailer out on the open road and convinces Corey to accompany him for the weekend, but oddly insists to saying goodbye to Topanga. As we wrap up the A storyline, Jack, who has been struggling to contain his own grief in um, difference to Sean's feelings, falls apart and cries helplessly in Rachel's arm, and Eric walks in on them, Rachel and Jack kissing. That is our episode. Okay, so first thoughts is where we go with this. Jackie, Danielle, Jackie, thought. give us what you want. <laughs> there is a lot going on in this. So episode. much. <laughs> and I will preface this by um when we were looking at what episode we were given, um, Danielle and I have both lost our fathers. So I'm like, mm. oh gosh, it's the dad cleaning out the trailer. Like we were like, at least it wasn't the episode before because <laughs> it would have just been wow. like in tears. But it was very, very relatable for us yeah. to watch Sean process his grief and, and Jack as well. Oh, so, this is the perfect um, episode for you guys. That was, <laughs> yeah. Those are, those were my thoughts. You know, that, that, that's such a powerful perspective because I want to say that, like, I wasn't thinking about 
that as much in this episode as much as I was thinking about the ongoing story arcs that have been building throughout the season. But that's such a, a great point that they really do showcase both of their grief, griefs, like both of them grieving differently um, in such a uh, an interesting and thoughtful and considerate way um, that I'm really excited to kind of break down a little further later on. Yeah, I I, I thought they they handled it very well with, you know, Jack being very much even though him and Sean did not grow up together, he very much was in that older brother role. And Jackie and I are both the oldest siblings <clears throat> and it's just very difficult. You know, it, it's almost like you don't feel like you have permission to grieve yet until you know that your younger siblings are. And then I know from Jack's perspective, you know, he has a very complicated relationship with his father and almost maybe not feeling like he has the right to grieve in the same way that maybe Sean would because he didn't know his dad on the same level so there's just so many layers there that I thought were very interesting and they did a really good job and I think Ryder Strong always does amazing when he gets these kind of pieces of material on the show um I would have to say he's probably one of their strongest actors on the show um just from that perspective uh but it was also really fun to see Corey and Topanga being lighthearted and having real conversations because I mean it is a little unrealistic that, that people who met in elementary school would end up being together but they tried to like elevate their relationship and get to know each other I do want to <clears throat> say that like there's an episode of Parks and Rec where it's literally the same premise of this like newlywed game kind of situation. Um, Andy and April on that show play like the, the Topanga and Koi role where they're in a relationship and they should get their answers right, but they do horribly against um, two of their co-workers, Donna and Jerry, who are not even together. They face <laughs> it. So I loved, I was like, oh my God, Parks and Rec stole from Boy Meets World. I love it. Well, they stole Adam Scott from Boy Meets World. So there you go. Yeah. I was just going to say that. I love, <laughs> I love that. And that's actually, you know, I love that um, you guys are also uh, oldest siblings because I always think about how birth order and having siblings um, plays a role in the stories that we're telling. And you're right. Um, you made me think about something that I completely forgot about, but like in an emergency with my, like if my younger sister is there, it's like, I have to, to keep it together mm -hmm. because if I fall apart, she falls apart. Right. So it's like, I like we have to, uh, as the oldest sibling, kind of like be the one who's just like, okay, we're gonna do what needs to be done. We're gonna make the responsible choices. You can feel however you really need to feel. Siege, did you I have a, wish, uh, uh, first take from the yeah, episode? My first take was like, I wish there were two things. One, I wish that we kind of like opened up with the Jack and um sean storyline because like i i don't know about anyone else but like it showed the recap of the previous episode mm -hmm. right when i was watching this one and then to have like something so heavy and then you just open up on Corey and topanga in the common room <laughs> you're like uh can we get a little bit more like time to deal with what we just witnessed yeah. you know and then it's just like oh it's literally fun and games in the first part and i was like i feel like this is like disrespectful to chat like what yeah. just happened so i kind of wish that we had opened up on like what i feel is like the heavier storyline 
but I will say I enjoyed getting to see the actors kind of like for the first time really interact with each other yes as family like getting Jack and Sean having the scenes together where they are acknowledging that they're brothers and that they can visit each other on campus is amazing seeing uh, Corey and Eric have moments. And then I really, really enjoyed, there's a scene like halfway through the episode where Eric is just kind of like playing with Topanga. And I'm like, yes, you guys have known each other for years. There is a familiarity that should be there. And Mm -hmm. it's so weird that we don't get scenes like this very often. I I totally agree about there not being enough brotherly scenes. And that really stood out to me in this episode as well. I really want to dive into the episode, but I just have to say, I cannot tell you, and I said this to Siege last episode, I have to say it again, I am so annoyed and frustrated that they finally gave Matt Lawrence a storyline with like meat on it. He's a grieving son who's, you know, grieving the, the death of a father he never knew. There's so much there. And to pivot that into the Rachel relationship for that to be the thing that made it happen to me just makes no sense to me. It's so frustrating. I know we're going to talk about it more later, but I I still like hate that, you know, he was, he he was never given a good storyline until this moment. And then to immediately like revert focus of this kid who has a lot to grieve over and turn it into a romance and have that be the, the spark for the next storyline. Like, I, I don't know. It just didn't sit well with me. So Do you guys think that it would have been actually really cool to play instead of like bringing Rachel into that whole thing? If the fact that Jack couldn't have like reached Sean and had to ask Eric, because if you think about it, Eric has been his oldest, oldest brother more than Jack has his whole life. And that could have actually caused even more jealousy because you could get to through to my brother, but I couldn't. I just thought sure. that would have been like really cool to play with. That's a great storyline idea. Like having, <laughs> no, it just is like, like especially since we use Eric so much in this episode to have Eric go and talk to Sean and actually like, I will also say um, the pivot of Sean happens so fast of being like, I don't want to just, just, almost like in a very healthy way, but like, how did we get here type way? Sean's just like, I thought about it. I was overreacting. I'm here. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I love that you did this, but like, how did we get here? (laughs) You know? And I feel like there's so much that happens off screen in this episode. And I would have loved to use Eric in this way, to your point, Danielle, of having Eric really go to Sean and be like, be funny with it. Having some kind of line... But then bringing, like, attempting to bring Sean and Jack closer together, but it actually causing a rift between these two roommates because of, as you said, the fact that Jack is like, oh, that was my role and you've taken it from me. Yeah. What do you want to get started with this? Okay, uh- <laughs> all right. So, like, no, no, no. You know what? Let's stick with kind of the, what is known as, like, the B storyline, but we've been talking a lot about um Sean and 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 the hunters is I, I think a great way to say this um I don't know about anyone else but like I really did appreciate getting this time to mourn Chet as a viewer 
Like, yeah. I feel like I'm really glad like they didn't just be like, that happened last week. People are dealing with it. It's like, no, like we've gotten this in a way that we haven't gotten from any other character. Like, um, what's his name? Turner was in a car accident and it was like a really big deal. And we just move on and it's like never really acknowledged again. So to give weight to Chet's exit is actually, again, I kind of wish we had opened with it, but I really appreciate it that that's what we do. Yeah. And I, I think it speaks to, you know, Sean as a character too, because that he's struggled with this lack of father figure presence. And, you know, I Turner... I don't know why they've lost over it, but I don't think you would have been able to have that happen with this, especially now that Jack is on the show. It's and and he Sean says it. It's the thing that bonds them essentially. Yeah. So it has to be addressed. So I'm glad they gave them two episodes. I really like how um, you know, they talk they show the different ways that the brothers are grieving. Um, I love that we're getting the snapshot of this kid who grew up being traumatized in a lot of ways by his father saying you're so lucky that you don't have to carry around this childhood trauma for the rest of your life. And this other kid who's essentially like I'm never going to get the chance to know my father ever. And you know them kind of playing the well what's what's worse game versus kind of uh, taking the time to understand what each other's going through. Um, that's that's why I, you know towards the end of this episode when Jack kind of reconciles with Rachel, I, to me it would have been far more richer for him to kind of have that reconciliation with Sean, where Sean kind of takes a moment to understand how Jack's grieving and appreciates what he's going through a little bit more. Um, but I do appreciate that we got to see the different showcases of of how they're grieving. I think it's really though like that grieving process I mean it's very difficult for a sitcom to to tackle it because realistically it's just such it, it's a never-ending process essentially and Sean is not done with his arc yet of grieving so for him and Jack to kind of have met in some common ground to see that like Sean is not even in that place and I think that's where Jack kind of has that breakdown because he's like you know what? I can't keep holding it in and Sean is not, not getting here as fast as I can hold it in anymore that I don't know that's how I kind of saw it I will say a little bit like I watched this and I was thinking it's also a missed opportunity to just kind of use some of the other casts I feel like Rusty would have been a really great addition you know like why like they're like we haven't heard from Sean Sean's you know not answering our calls but like would they not all like everyone rallied for chet's death so the fact that jack is like hey we have to go clean out uh chet's trailer and it's just the two of them it feels like it feels like the cast is missing i feel like alan and amy would be there to help i feel like Corey should be there beanie eric like they would all be there yeah exactly and it it makes sense that jack is the one again everything we've seen about jack is he's the responsible one so for him being like hey we have to do this you know it's up to us that's one thing but i really do feel like the rest of the cast being there wouldn't have taken away we still could have had this exact same fight just with them you know them there it's kind of crazy because they're young. They're they're not they're kids essentially. Yeah. yeah, they're in college, but like you there should be adults helping with this whole process like to have to figure out what to do when someone dies. 
it's not just like cleaning stuff out. There's like bills, there's like money, there's finances, there's a whole bunch of other elements. So it is kind of crazy that they just let two college students just handle it without any help. It's nuts. Even if you just gave Jack and Sean their moment at the beginning, like Sean shows up, like I've had a change of heart and then everyone else starts trickling in, like we're here for you guys, whatever you need and kind of that would give Jack and Sean their moment to have their discussions and that kind of dad was never there versus all of this trauma from him. And then, but also showing what a support system that they, they have. It's also disappointing that Corey doesn't notice that Sean is deflecting as usual. Cause again, this is pattern. Like Sean does this, he pretends everything's fine and like, doesn't want to deal with a problem that's too big for him. And like Corey just kind of goes along with it as it seems in this episode. Corey says, I've been looking everywhere for Sean. He's in his dorm. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. That was my whole thing. In reality, (laughs) what really bothered me was there's even later on where Sean is at the trailer and Corey and Topanga are like, we should move in together. And I was like, Sean still lives there. Like you, yeah. like, have you had a conversation? Can we see the conversation? Mm-hmm. Can you refer to a conversation that you had later on? They do have like Corey be like, "Hey, thanks for letting us have it," but like you didn't know where he was earlier, and you agreed to moving in together yep. and like giving part of Sean, Sean who has lost everything, mm-hmm. you are moving him out, and not you going into Topanga's room, but you moved him out of his space at the time where he would need you the most. And at the time where he would need a home, he would need a home base. He would need something secure that he can go back to. And you're taking that away so you guys can experiment (laughs) with living. Like, it just seems weird. Corey is so selfish. Mm, Say it again. (laughs) (laughs) He is. This episode is really about that. I want to stick with like the the, the Hunter's storyline, but Corey being selfish will have to come back to. Also, speaking of like a place to call home, I was like, Chet has had this trailer the entire time. How many times have we seen Sean like need a place to stay? Mm-hmm. Why did Sean not live in the trailer? Like, it's the same trailer, or at least it's a close enough trailer for Sean to access. And we've seen the trailer park. So why has he not been staying at this trailer the entire time? This is why a great he- question. And can or I just room and board? Can I just say this? So this is not the same trailer we see in seasons two, three, and four. It's not. The original trailer is a double wide. You can see that there is a door that goes into a hallway that has bedrooms and whatever. Thank you. This is not that. This is a trailer that Sean is able to hitch up to a a truck and drive away. I think we're supposed to assume that every time Chet went away, he just took his house with him. Yeah. (laughs) He was just like, Sean, you're better to stay in your school. We'll find you lodging, but I'm going to take our house with us, which again, seems very selfish. Clearly Chet had a truck. He could have left the house and wrapped back, but yep. you know. Like, like I, here's the thing. That makes sense. Thank you for clarifying. I feel like that does answer a lot of my questions, but it still is kind of like messed up in the sense of you have Sean paying, like rooms in college aren't free. You pay for that shit. Well, he's not paying for it actually we come to yeah. find out well so and i do have a, a question about that the next thing i was going to bring up is where did sean think him money for college was coming from right 
He didn't apply for a singer scholarship. If even if Chet was like, I'm paying for it, where did you think Chet was getting the money? Like, where did you think your tuition was coming from? I just found this very hard to believe that Sean wouldn't know where his college financing is coming from. And to get so upset that someone cared enough about their stepson to be able to put their brother through college too, like it's such a thoughtful gesture on the part of the stepdad and for, and I get like, uh, Sean is grieving and he, I'm sure he has trauma about always being looked at as a charity case, but it was just such a thoughtful thing to do and to attack Jack for that. And Jack really had nothing to do with it. I would assume other than being Sean's brother it was just, it, it was really sad, like, that whole interaction, because Jack's, like, lost my dad. Now my brother's mad at me because my stepdad is, like, putting him through college. Like, he couldn't win. <laughs> it's just, just like a younger sibling to be <laughs> all about themselves and not looking at the sacrifices that you make to help them out. But I do like that you see the growth in um, Sean, that he is able to say he's sorry yeah. and not kind of stay in it so but it was it was like really heart-wrenching to watch him do that to jack i i really like the moment where jack's like bro can you see how hard it must have been for chet to go to my stepdad yeah. and ask for money like he is such like i i mean i don't have siblings but in terms of just being the mature older sibling he definitely gives that a like gives that perspective he's able to humanize chet and make him a person and it's probably because he doesn't have all this drama and trauma attached to his relationship he's able to kind of just see him for a man that he is um but i'm, I'm glad that he's able to give that perspective to sean as well i feel like this is i feel like we've done a disservice to jack's character by not introducing his stepfather at any point in time because his yes. stepfather is such a huge part of everything it was like hey we don't know what he does we just know that his stepfather has money every time they're like oh <laughs> um we need something jack's like oh my stepfather's money my stepfather's money i think it would have been this would have been a great episode to introduce the stepdad and have the stepdad be like hey sean don't worry i'll continue to pay the tuition and sean being like wait what you know like that would have been a really great reveal having yeah. another father there to kind of again be supportive of jack but then also show like what the absence that sean has ever had i just feel like this was such a missed opportunity to ex actually explore the stepfather because he is really generous and Guys, i feel like we kind of need some of that let's do this right now it's 1998 all right is it 98 99 fan cast this who is Ooh. the tgif abc cameo that comes into plays Ooh. to play jack's Ooh. father Ooh. can it can it be um john stamos because why oh, that's who amazing I was say. really yeah as <laughs> soon as we started talking good. about it I was like, John Stamos would be the perfect, like, stepdaddy to come in and just, yes. like, here I am. Wow. He is the, the ultimate stepdaddy. Yes. The stepzaddy. That's <laughs> so, like, I, I, like, that, I never would have thought of that, but I think it's so perfect. I think a good second would have been George Clooney. Ooh. 
NBC, I don't know. I don't know if the networks would have allowed it. We but were doing it ER made... at that time. Yeah, yeah. it would have made for a good one. I think George had moved on to films at that point. Perhaps. Um, T, who who would you have done? Oh, um, you know, I'm I'm again don't know where he is, uh, but he <laughs> at this point, but he was on ABC for a long time. I'm gonna go with Canadian heartthrob Alan Thick. To me, he kind of has that kind of like you know, I come from money. I kind of have like uh, more of an upper class background that would kind of um, like let like lean into some of the class differences that sean has tried to point out you know john stamos to me comes across as a very like blue collar guy so maybe he could have like dressed it up same with clooney but i think both of them have a lot of coolness that to me is more in line with the hunter lineage um and i i don't know i think someone that a little nerdier would have would have made a good fit really so like i was gonna say like i'm looking at this it was the first person who came to my mind uh and it's dermont Mulroney. Ooh. Oh yes, Dermot Mulroney would have been. Yeah, a great like name. that. That was someone where I was like, I feel like he would give like that. That father knows best. Really, like I'm wealthy, but I'm also have a good head on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. But I also like I I will say something like, Hey, Sean, I got you, and you're like, Why would you say that? You know, like yeah, like like I just feel like I got that immediately from him, and it felt very nineties. So maybe like we should throw off all expectations and it's Ving Rames. <gasps> Ooh, they <laughs> never say if he was a black stepdaddy. That would be hilarious. When you were like going a completely different direction, I was thinking like Danny DeVito. <laughs> like, I love the idea of like just Ving Rames showing up. That's a whole other we here's like, you don't have him just show up and be the stepdaddy and not ask questions. There are so many questions that we have. I actually have a question for you guys too. Um, you know, one of the things I think is really important about this dynamic while we're talking about just the class differences between the two brothers is that Sean really doesn't feel like he has a connection or a sense of ownership over anything. And mm-hmm. finding out that, you know, Jack's father, uh, stepfather was paying for his tuition and everything. He starts stripping down. He's just like, nothing is mine, nothing. And, and Jack's like, hey, it's cool. We're family. And Sean's like, but yeah, but what have I ever given you? And one of the things reasons why I think that really resonates and I just wanted to talk about it for a second is because you know you see these relationships where you have like um, a friend or a a relationship partner or a family member who makes a lot more money than the other person and you know you think oh you know the wealthier person is spoiling this other person they buy them gifts all the time but you don't really take a look at you know how um, insecure that can make the other person in that dynamic you know friends does a great job of having an episode where like um i think it's monica and ross and chandler you know the ones that have the good jobs they all want to go out for a fancy dinner and a concert but rachel and phoebe and joey can't afford it and that kind of dynamic of just like you know what's it mean to to I don't know, not be able to contribute equally to a relationship mm-hmm. and how that, you know, mentally can mess with the other person at, at the bottom half of it. I just thought it was an interesting dynamic that uh, deserve talking about. I think that's a really good conversation to have. And especially like, I've actually had to have it not just with friends, but like with my siblings, right? I'm older. So I, you know, when our dad died, I was a little bit, I was way better financially than the rest of them rest of them but like I think it's just to talk about what you do bring to a relationship it's not just financial and you know I've 
had friendships where one of us is up and one of us is not so up one of us is down and it's not just about money it's it's the emotional work that is actually put into the relationship so I think it's really important to have those conversations whether it's a like a boyfriend girlfriend 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 relationship or a relationship with a friend that you have to have these kind of conversations because I I had a friend who like every time I would pay for something would like give me money right away and we had to kind of discuss where like that was coming from um and understand why like for me to give gifts or something was like my love language and every time she did that it actually made me feel bad that I did something so Mm -hmm. it's a really good conversation to have with the people in your life because you just don't know what life experiences someone had and I think Jack should have said in that moment yes financially I'm giving to you but I've always wanted a brother and this you give me so much more that you Mm. don't even realize like that was a really good opportunity to kind of even things out you know well he says exactly he tells Sean exactly what he wants in return he says tell me about my father yeah, and yeah we don't get that and I find like that's it's just like <laughs> what am I doing for you it's just like you know what you could do you could tell me about my father you can let me get to know him a little bit better and then we don't do that and I feel like like that's kind of like it's one of those things where it's like a friend who's like or even last episode where Sean was like, how much? I'll I'll contribute. And it's like, all right, this is how much it costs. And he's like, well, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. like, I have a question for uh, the group. I do want to know, do you, like, I've been in situations where I don't make as much money. As, as right now, I will say my fiance makes way more than I do. So he pays for things. Or like, we go out with friends who have really nice jobs and they pay for things. Do you feel like charity? I feel like it's so weird that there are all of these storylines on TV where people are like, I don't want your charity. And I'm like, they're they're helping you out when you need it. Where is this coming from? I have thoughts, but I'll, I'll let the ladies answer first. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you should ask because um, I was a, sc- uh, a elementary school teacher for years my husband uh, was a shop manager at a car dealership he made like three times what I made and um, during COVID he was let go and then I decided to change jobs and I told him I was like with this new job I think we're good I don't think you need to get another job and so he's what we lovingly refer to as my house husband and like he does like all the house maintenance. And it's not to say he doesn't go out and he does contract work, but he does it on his time. He doesn't have a nine to five. And so it's just, for me, I never felt like charity, but it's been nice that the roles are reversed now and like what he was able to provide for me so long. Now I can provide to him. It's just how partnerships work, whether it's a friendship or a relationship. Yeah, I I think again, it's just um, having that communication of like the value of the work that you're bringing into that relationship. I think that's a really good conversation because, you know, when we talk about like stay at home moms and stuff like that, there's a lot of labor that happens in the home that is beyond just like actual money. Yeah. Um, So I think it's just really important to be on the same page with people because 
a lot of people aren't into like capitalistic viewpoints of how I value my relationship, you know? Um, I actually care more if you're going to help me in the house and not even help because I don't like that. You were living in your house by yourself before we got together and you were doing your laundry and you were cooking and doing all of these things. Um, I would like us to be able to to like care for each other, you know, it, it just be reciprocated and not this like we're keeping tabs. And I kind of feel like that's what happens with the financial stuff. If you don't talk about it, that it ends up feeling like you're not really just living in your relationship. You're tallying up who's doing more, which isn't a good feeling either. Definitely. Um, okay, Siege, I just want to kind of, because you were like, why does it feel like charity? And I want to just quickly tell a very brief story about, um, you know, growing up, my mom, uh, she had a job, but she also had a second job where she would babysit a lot. Um, and there was one girl that she babysitted for all the time. And um, like, eventually, like, uh, she was babysitting for this woman who was very wealthy. And then just after a certain point, like, they kept wanting to, like, buy my mom a car, they kept wanting to, like, get her things. And then eventually, they wanted her to, like, move in and be their, like, live in nanny and wear, like, an elf like a uniform and all this stuff and at a certain point she was just like i remember specifically having this conversation with her in the car i was like they, uh, uh, when i was a kid we were driving and we, were, we had this beat up car and i was like mom they're offering to give you another car why don't you just take it and she's like no i'm gonna give them money for it i'm away i'm gonna save some money and i'm gonna give them something for it because it's this feeling of just like i don't want anyone feeling like they have ownership over me yeah. and that was like something that i was taught so early so like not like for example i was in a i'm still in a relationship with my wife but uh our first christmas together i had just moved to california and i was in between jobs and she was making a lot of money and she bought me this really nice christmas gift and i felt so uncomfortable with it that i was just like oh you know what maybe i just want a a, a smaller version of this like i was just like oh it's not quite the right fit but really i just felt super uncomfortable with the fact that she spent so much on me and like i don't know like till this day if i'm given like a gift that's like very very elaborate and very expensive i do feel naturally uncomfortable by it so i can understand sean's stance about this idea of just like well what does it I, and, and I'm sure a lot of it comes from this fear of just being like feeling like there's strings attached to things mm -hmm. but you know when you're that's street knowledge like you kind of have to know <laughs> that like sometimes strings are attached and so it's it's a healthy thing to be cautious of so I I, I go ahead I love expensive gifts I would love for you to buy my affection. I'm just putting that out there. Okay. I love that. Me. No, no. I'm happy. Like, so I'm happy that, that we're having this conversation because to me, I, I think I'm just like more aware of what my position is in life. And I'm like aware that sometimes people will have more money than you. Sometimes people will have less money than you and you can only contribute what you can. I always tell any friend group I'm ever in, any relationship I've ever been in, it's like, I'm not trying to keep up with the Joneses. I make mm -hmm. only but so much and that's how much I will spend. I'm not going to spend money that I don't have. I'm not going to try to impress you with things that I can't do because like, that's not, that's not my journey. And so like, for example, uh, my fiance's boss is, a billionaire with a B. He bought us really nice engagement gifts. And I was like, yes, like this is <laughs> what you, that's what you can afford. You can afford that. So to you, this is the equivalent 
of buying someone a card. Mm -hmm. And so I don't feel bad. If Sean had said what you said, which was like, where are the strings? What comes from this? Like, you don't own me. I completely would be with you. But he just goes, I'm no one's charity. And I'm like, I feel like that's just part of America hustle culture which is like you gotta get your own don't let anybody buy you shit you a man buy me shit (laughs) if you can afford it and i can't i'm here for it well siege you know you bring up a great point like sometimes (laughs) i'm up sometimes you're up but sean has never been up he's never with the exception of working for the mob been able to afford nice gifts for his family friends he's not even like 19 yet the fact that he's had to go through this at such a young age like it's not a thing that a kid should ever have to think about sure. and it the way he talks to jack isn't just about jack it's how he feels about Corey. It, mm-hmm. he's had these conversations with Corey before and Corey's parents and D- turner it's just that he feels like everyone's always trying to help him and it might even go to his self-worth because he doesn't understand why. Because he has abandonment issues from his parents. And he probably feels like, am I even worthy of all these people always constantly trying to give me something, you know? So him talking to Jack had more to do with him than Jack at all. And I think a lot of the times, you know, people try to financially help Sean instead of hearing him basically say, like, I want to feel independent. Like, there's a difference between paying for something for someone and then giving them a job. Like, and I think that for Sean, he probably would have benefited more if he was like, if Jack was like, oh, sorry, Jack was like, hey, my stepfather wants to give you a part time job, you know, would you like to do that to pay your way through college? I think he would have been far more acceptable to that than just this blank check to pay for everything. Or say, like, here's the plan after you stay in school, worry about school, you work your ass off in school, mm-hmm. and here's the payment plan, or here's what our plan is going to be after you graduate, because he's still a kid. Yeah. And I definitely. think that's just like, lost on him because he's been put in so many adult situations which is sad but also to every everything that everyone said i actually really enjoy and i feel like it it actually does add a color to like why sean's making these decisions but i want to go back to how did sean think school was being paid for (laughs) was just free and you just went like that's what's confusing because he's like wait like we've like i would have loved if we would have gotten some hint that Sean was still working at that photographer that he was interning and he was bringing in some money or you know he thought tuition was lower than what it was like I needed there to be some reason that Sean was just completely taken aback that his tuition was paid for because I'm like who did you think was paying for this so I can tell your real life experience which is when your dad kind of is an f up a lot um and they step up once you don't ask questions it's like this weird delusional thing that happens you kind of revert to being a kid and all you ever want is to be taken care of like Mm. to be the child in the relationship and so when you have those opportunities it's a little odd because you're so used to the rug being pulled from under you but also it's that you have that yearning so much that you kind of just don't even question it you're just like my dad, find the person that you've built up in your head finally lived up to it and you don't want to mess with it. A, that, that's the, the only thing that I could think of. <laughs> yeah, the willful ignorance. Like yeah. somehow dad's making this work. Like, yeah. And that's all I need to know is like, 
my college is being paid for. You know, it's so interesting. They really could have used this episode and this revelation of Sean, you know, realizing that he has everything has had everything paid for for him and turn that into like entrepreneurial Sean. Like we saw Sean when him and Corey did that Airbnb at Feeney's house, how much of like a hustler <laughs> he was and how much business savvy he has. We saw that at the same way when they were betting on horses at the track, you know, that Sean has a little bit of business savvy and it mm-hmm. would have been like this really interesting thing to see him use this motivation of not wanting to be dependent on anyone to strive for independence and use that to fuel him versus kind of like isolating himself, which uh, is fair. Like he's grieving, but I, I, mm-hmm. it just would have been an interesting take to have with him. Or also, you know, I just like, I'm listening to everyone. as like, I would have liked to seen where Sean was just like, if you want to know about Chet, what kind of person Chet is, Chet's the type of person who will let you think that he's paying for college and someone else mm-hmm. is putting the bill. Like, you know, be angry with Chet, be mad, but yeah. like also answer that question that Jack is like, which is like, I want to know more about my dad. Exactly. My dad is the type of person who will let me think that he's paying for my college and that never was the case. You know, like, I, yeah. I feel like that would have been a good exploration of like, what do you do when the person who you've always kind of looked up to or when your father turns out to be less than what you've wanted and that's all you're left with like him and jack could have bonded over the fact that chet wasn't the greatest guy yeah yeah also i i like i know i asked the question but i did think (laughs) to myself is is it chet's willingness to constantly take handouts that makes sean embarrassed mm -hmm. embarrassed to because like one thing we know is like we've seen Chet be like, "Hey, can you take my boy? Hey, can I have the, this money? Hey, like Chet's always asking for handouts. Chet doesn't feel <laughs> like a charity, so yeah. I wonder if like maybe that is where this comes from of Sean being like, yeah. I don't want to be like him. I want to yeah. earn everything that I have." Yeah, he's. I'm sure that came from a young Sean being embarrassed yeah. by his dad. Because God knows what kind of interactions Chet had even before we started seeing the show, like between, you know, Sean and and um, Corey's parents and all sorts of stuff. Definitely. Anything um, else about this Sean and Jack storyline that you guys want to mention? The idea of Sean being like, Chet left me this trailer. Mm-hmm. Again, if Chet and Fat left you this trailer, this trailer most likely is not paid for everything's past due we saw that in this episode yeah that's what i thought was interesting that like we didn't talk about the debt that chet probably left behind and like how that would affect the boys like that would have been an interesting thing to kind of touch on a little bit absolutely and then the last realistic one for sure anybody who's dealt with that and that again i would have loved for them to actually be like for again for jack to kind of like stand up for himself and be like hey you think that this is easy there's a bunch of debt that goes into covering from him. And I'm going to do that. And I understand yeah. that like, it's not like a great thing and you will feel it some type of way, but someone has to. I just want to like to wrap up the the Sean aspect of this because we do have to get into the Jack aspect of this. The Sean aspect of this, of Sean being like, hey, I think I'm going to just get out of here, which is very chat to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just go and find myself uh, Corey, I want you to come with me is very interesting because Corey agrees, which is fine. They don't tell Topanga. Yes. I don't, like, you don't just go on a road trip, even like you're grieving. You say to your fiance, hey, 
Sean is grieving. He wants to go on a road trip. That's where, you know, that's where I'll be. Fine. But he he's like, why are we even telling Tobago? Why are we stopping by? Let's just grab shit and go. And I'm like, that's not what you do when you're engaged. And Topanga doesn't ask any questions. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> She's why just did- like, cutting her, trimming her toenails. Like, okay, see you guys later. I'm like, no, like, where are you going? When are you going to be back? Just like basic, like, decency of, hey, we have myself up, like something. <laughs> yeah. She knows you're alive. Why do you think that it was so important to Sean that he had to say good goodbye to Topanga? I think they're trying to lead to this idea that he ain't coming back. Correct. I think that that's what I got. I got that he was like, oh, I'm leaving and I'm not coming back. And that's why I want to say goodbye to Topanga. Which, you know, like, again, I will say, like, I, I was able to infer that and I could get it. But it's like, if that is true then you do need Corey to pack a bag. (laughs) That's it. That's all I'm saying. Or uh, they already made a point of saying that Topanga had moved out of the room. Why is she cutting her toenails in there? Like, no questions? This is just her toenail room? Okay, cool. It's the toenail room. I like that. Should we Uh, rewind back to the beginning of their storyline? No, 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 no. Because we have Jack that we need to talk about. Okay, okay, okay. And Jack and Rachel, I will say... So I don't, you guys listen to the show. You know how I feel about Jack and Eric. I always feel like they are, will they, won't they? I always feel like, (laughs) and to me, two things happened with this storyline that I was like, actually, I wish we would deep dive into this. One is, it is so reasonable that Jack who breaks down would kind of hook up with the first person who actually pays attention Mm -hmm. to him and gives him comfort. I was like, that makes sense. Not a good idea. But it completely makes sense that he would just kind of like want to process his pain through um, intimacy in some other way. I wish we had seen Jack as kind of like this lover beforehand. So it makes more sense. Like he's going back to his old ways, but it just kind of like comes out of nowhere that he and Rachel finally cross that threshold in this episode. I don't think it's weird, actually, Um, mainly because Jack is like a type A personality, right? So he has been bottled up for so many things. He's been keeping all these secrets about Chet for his, he's do, he does things up for the sake of others, right? He's very much a people pleaser. And in this moment, it's just raw. He doesn't have any more energy left to bottle up him wanting to cry. He has no more energy to pretend he doesn't worship Rachel at this point like he likes her and they have this intimate moment and he's just in a very vulnerable space that he's not thinking about Eric and their friendship he's not thinking about anything he does just pure basic what is instinctual to him that he normally holds back on that's what I think I love that that's actually really good but Don't she also surprised. did. No, no, no. Sorry. Like the surprise was not that you had a good point. The surprise <laughs> was like that I I completely was like, why now? It it kind of felt like a convenience, but you're right in the sense of this is Jack who has been putting everyone else first. And in this moment, he's like, you know what? Fuck it. Like I'm gonna go for what I want for once. And I, I actually I I think that totally fits. You were gonna say. Oh, Danielle also turned to me and was like, 
this is a polyamorous relationship that mm. makes sense. Hundred <laughs> percent, it does. All right. So what I was going to say is also, again, in my head canon, Jack is questioning his sexuality this entire time. He's really close to Eric, and I feel like again, if we're talking about grief and people who take actions, there's this idea of him looking at Rachel and being like, you know what? I'm going to convince, I'm going to go through with this other thing and kind of like, again, push back my other truths and then just get lost in the moat. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I don't want to be vulnerable with Eric because that will put me in a more vulnerable position mm -hmm. with these feelings that I'm already dealing with. So instead I'm going to kind of double down and be manly and be with a woman in a sense that it kind of takes away all the other things that like I have to deal with in question. Like that was my response of seeing it. Of like <laughs> again, it's all headcanon. It's not necessarily there, but I can read into it and that's what I've decided to do. <laughs> I totally could see Jack as being bi. And I, I think the three of them, I think they're more of a case of a, a polyamorous relationship than Topanga, Sean, and Corey. Because mm. the key component is that Sean has never like he doesn't feel that way about Topanga and yeah. you know Corey's totally down for yeah. Sean <laughs> but it's the Topanga angle that makes it a little like not possible for both of them they don't have feelings for each other but these right. three 100% could see it mm -hmm. Love it. Guys, I have to strongly disagree with all of this. <laughs> okay, okay. Go ahead, go Everyone's ahead. opinion, everyone has a valid opinion. I disagree with all of this simply because the entire season, we have seen both Jack and Eric completely treat Rachel like a sexual object, not respecting her boundaries, spying on her weirdly. At one point in the episode, Rachel's like, how'd you know that thing about me in the shower? And Eric's yeah. like, don't worry about it. Like, what the hell is going on between these people? Like, there's never been a moment where Rachel has, like, showed romantic interest towards Jack or Eric at any point. Yeah. So to me, it's like, okay, if you were going to go here, at least show her favoring Jack over yes, yeah. Eric to kind of like plant those uh, breadcrumbs, like lay those out so that we could see this unfold in a really organic way. But what it seems like is that like, once again, Rachel is just a woman who's there. She's and, an object for sure. And like for her to, like the only way that they could pull her in was not to have her like say like, maybe, you know, I lost a parent. Maybe like, hey, I've, I've, I've grieved, I've lost someone. Like just to relate to him as a friend, which could have been richer and Boy Meets World is famous for having those moments. Um, they turned it into a relationship that has literally not been laid out or set up at all. Um, I, again, feel very uh, like we were cheated out of seeing Jack have like a moment that just kind of spotlighted him as an individual versus like using this as like the catalyst towards this love triangle that mm -hmm. to me again just doesn't make sense I don't see why Rachel would want to date either of them and if they were gonna have this at least have a moment where Rachel and uh you know Eric are like Eric's like you know I feel like we're getting along really well and she's like yeah we are but remember when you like trapped me in my room and in the, in the apartment yeah. <laughs> and like you like walled it up and had me like face my childhood trauma by going over that disposal yeah we're still not good like something like that to just be like hey there's a reason why like we have some beef or something right or or to your point just have Rachel say Jack, you're always there for everybody. Mm -hmm. You were there for me when I needed you. You took me in. You know, like, kind of like building this whole thing where, like, Rachel actually sees the weight of what he's dealing with. And 
in doing so realize realizes her feelings or kind of like is like it there's a way to lead up to it where you're like oh yes rachel kind of also got caught up in the moment and now they've made a decision that they both have to deal with but it's weird to start the episode off with eric and rachel being like you basically like yes. rachel really gets eric and that's like eric reading into it makes sense and yes. then to end with rachel kissing jack where again we haven't seen rachel or jack interact at all this episode until this moment you were right in the sense of she's just a woman that is there and they use her for that but i also agree that it makes sense for jack's behavior yeah it just doesn't make like the show itself requires us to read into all of these things and ask these questions which to me is lazy writing Definitely. well you really do have to ask the question what which woman on this show has ever gotten a fully fleshed out character characterization and that hasn't been used as an object or a vehicle to move storylines for the male count counterparts at all on this show. That's been the most disappointing thing about rewatching the series is going into it thinking that Topanga had more to offer than just being a vehicle for Corey, but that's ultimately what it ends up being. Yeah. Rachel is just like the worst end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, Topanga is like what we get the best and Angela gets the short stick Mm -hmm. essentially because well morgan gets the short that. stick <laughs> or morgan morgan and her and their mom um yeah. rest mean. in peace morgan yeah yeah i like like to your point this reminded me there's a line where sean's like angela's not in my life anymore and i was like she's not in this episode at all like yeah. there were plenty of times where i feel like she could have been there she should have been there and she's just nowhere to be found and also, to your point, Danielle, I feel like Angela is, they they did the safe thing of, like, they don't make her Topanga and, like, she's too good, but they also don't make her a sexual object like they do with Rachel. Yeah. And they, they kind of- They don't know what to do with women if they don't have those two, though. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But, again, a Black woman, they were like, yeah. we're not touching that. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised as as much as we got from Angela, but that's like a whole nother conversation. Absolutely. Um, um, okay. Yeah, Corey I'm ready Topanga? to go to the yeah. Like we've we've kind of talked about it a little bit. Um, this fiance game. So, how do you feel about these types of games? Like, where do you or or even this type of storyline? Um, I mean, it's. I thought it was funny. It seems like something stupid that they would do. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I feel like those kind of games always are can be kind of scary. Uh, there's these little things you don't always know about everybody. Mm. Sometimes you know, like Jackie and I could play the best friend game, and we might be in some trouble with some things. <laughs> Every day, I'm still learning. I was like, wait, you don't you don't like this? Oh, <laughs> she brought okay. chicken tenders from Dairy Queen today for lunch, which was so sweet. And I was like, I don't eat chicken tenders from Dairy you Queen. You don't wow. eat chicken tenders? I feel like we should talk about that. <laughs> chicken <laughs> tenders? Not all chicken tenders. It's yeah. just from Dairy Queen. But okay, okay, okay. Okay. Doesn't, she does not like chicken with the bone. 
Yeah. That's a whole other conversation. Okay. 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 <laughs> Which my okay. husband, if there is a chicken on the bone situation, like we're at a restaurant or a friend's house or something, he will take it off my plate, debone it, give that's me love. all the white meat. And then... That is so sweet. <laughs> that's I don't know. That's romance to me. <laughs> <laughs> we went to uh, medieval times uh, <laughs> when I first moved to, to Texas with him. And they set half a chicken in front of me and I just looked at him and he just reached over and deboned <laughs> it for me. I'm like, this is the rest of your life. I hope you know. It's what, he, it's what he wanted. This is the rom-com storytelling I need more of. Because <laughs> that is like true love. It's uh, it's funny. You were saying earlier, I feel like every other week TC and I are like, wait, it's about you. I've known yeah. you the majority of my life, and I had no idea. No, um, and saying that, like, the other day, for no real reason, I think I was, like, in that mindset of, like, I knew this episode was coming. So I just, like, looked over at my fiance. I was like, what's your favorite movie? And I, like, I was like, oh, I figured I would know. And he said something. I was like, you have never mentioned that movie <laughs> in the entirety that I have known you. He's like, it's my favorite movie. And I was like, we have not once seen it. We have not <laughs> once referenced it. It was so crazy to me. But like, well, I, I Siege, just, yeah. you bring up a good point. And a point that I think these kind of games and this kind of storyline kind of illustrates is that like, you know, we think we know ourselves based on the last time we checked in with ourselves about something. So like maybe the last time Rex thought about his favorite movie and when he decided it was his favorite movie was 15 <laughs> years ago. And even though he hasn't watched it since and he hasn't really checked in with himself to see, oh, do I have a new favorite movie? That just might be his go-to answer. And so like the whole idea that Corey and Topanga don't know each other makes a lot of sense because they're not having any of these conversations. Like we learned that from the very Topanga Christmas episode. These people don't talk to each other they don't really know each <laughs> other like she, he is never asking about her it's always yeah. like what's like thing is Corey into and how does Topanga fit into it um yeah I just thought this whole storyline was really kind of silly even though I love Wilfred L's performance as Eric during this whole thing I thought him and Rachel had really good funny chemistry during the game and I love that Feeney was excited to play yeah I think I just think it's really interesting to see Corey and Topanga's relationship rewatching this episode and seeing what they're like in the um spinoff or reboot from we don't talk about World. It. We don't talk about it. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> but just like how their relationship has matured and how Corey, I think, is actually a lot better in that series mm. from, you know, and maybe it's because it's just years of being with Topanga. He's not nearly as selfish I don't believe in that so it's like it gives me I don't hate I didn't hate him as much watching because I know okay he gets better she's not just in this for nothing that's that's I how I coped with him it this episode because I felt like it, I felt like this episode was something that we've been getting a lot of lately which is it's the most I hate my wife she's a nag type situation where it's just like to have Corey just like be yelling at her be like it's just the game and like all this other stuff where it's like it's clearly important to her so like like listen to what she's saying you guys don't know everything I agree that like not knowing everything about your partner is like not knowing what your partner's favorite fish is isn't like the end-all be-all 
but also it is important to her and like try to figure out what that is you guys yeah. are getting engaged and she's clearly trying to understand the person that she's agreeing to be with for the rest mm -hmm. of her life um I, and i think that it was legitimate go ahead oh i was just gonna ask what do you guys think about this idea that you have to live with someone in order to get to know them I think well, it's true. I, my perspective is a little different because for the first year that my husband and I were together, it was long distance. I think like that was one of the best things for a relationship because you really had to talk and we talked every night and uh, we enjoyed when we got to spend time together, but we really were able to talk through a lot of stuff. Um, prior to even moving in together and then we moved in together and so like I, I think that was just a really nice jumping off point is like just being able to communicate in that manner and learning how to com your communication styles and it's all over the phone so you really like if you get mad you can hang up the phone I guess but like really working out your different differences through talking but I feel That's, like you have to do, I think, feel like you have to do one or the other. Like yeah. you either have to communicate constantly yeah. and that distance means that you are communicating or you kind of do need to, like, you need to know what you're signing up for. Yep. At least that's my approach to it of any kind of relationship because people, it's easy to be someone in public or when you're out on dates or whatever, but you are a different person at night. You're a different person when you're hungry. You're a different yeah. person when you're about to go to bed. And all of those things are really telling. And I've personally, both with roommates and relationships, I've had, I'm like usually a very talkative person. I'm a very social person. But when I'm at home, they're like, where's that guy? And I'm like, that guy <laughs> is a public facing guy. Yeah. At home, me <laughs> is tired and doesn't want to talk for the next two hours. Like I yeah. can go two hours without even opening my mouth and be just happy. And so you need to know what that, behind closed door person is so i kind of like that aspect i also think age is a huge component right mm. like oh young danielle she was she was so dumb but so sweet and so like willing and open right um when i was dating in my 20s it was totally different but now i'm 40 and um <laughs> say it own it it's great <laughs> but now that I'm in my 40s it's just like a totally different environment because I have built an entire ecosystem for myself yeah and so like I think just the flexibility that I used to have and openness to like be with someone else is totally different now I'm like mm, I don't know <laughs> sure yeah how do you feel about us having separate rooms? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm even open if you keep your place and I keep mine. Yeah. How do you feel about that kind of domestic relationship? Because it's like, you've got to give up so much of your independence and yourself to be in that relationship. And as you get older, I think it just becomes more difficult. It's just Honestly, I forgot. I had, I don't know who it was, but I had a friend who um so actually right before the holidays we uh were going to buy a new bed and 
like because our bed just wasn't working and so my fiance slept in one room and I slept in the other and he was like it's like the best night's sleep I've had and it's like they're like we were talking to other people and they were like yeah sometimes seven bedrooms is like the thing to do and I think really as you were saying getting older is kind of realizing oh sometimes the best thing that you could do for your relationship is kind of like have a little bit of difference have a Mm -hmm. little bit of space I learned that um, as an only child, I always grew up having my own room. And once <laughs> I like got married, I realized like, wow, like she's like, every now and then you'll just kind of like bury yourself in the office. And I was just like, yeah, I was just used to just having a space of my own where I could just like decompress. And like, it's like it's something I'm learning about myself. So birth order is very important in relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hard to have two older children be in a relationship it's hard for a person who's have has many siblings to be with an only child Mm -hmm. because it's just like they (laughs) even only children have a different communication style because they did not grow up with other siblings to have that one-to-one conversation it's like you're only engaging with adults so you're having a totally different your brain is wired differently so yeah, that's another element. I didn't even. <laughs> this is this is so great, and I again, I I feel like we could just go on and on about like the, the different things that they could have done with the story, but I feel like that would have been a great conversation to have. Like Topanga is an only child, so Topanga going from being an only child who like currently she ruined... has a sister named Nebula. Oh, that is true. <laughs> as far as as far as this show goes, yeah. <laughs> Topanga is an only child. But you're right. I'll take that back. Topanga has a, a sibling, but she also has a sister. She's living with a boy for the very yeah. first time, mm-hmm. which is where I was going to go for that. And I think that that's so, that would have been very interesting to see um, Topanga have to like live with a boy. And I think it's so funny that like they're making fun of her for like her face routine. Someone who like is constantly telling her how beautiful she is is like, how do you think I got this way? But right. like, there's like they just kind of like show him clipping his toenails. It's like, no, he would be dirty and messy and like yeah. all this other stuff. And it's just, yeah. I would have liked if maybe she had to go to Eric for advice on something that he's doing sure. or like what he's when he's sleeping, like what did you do it about his snoring or this weird habit of him counting how many times he's fluffing the damn pillow? Like, what did you do to like deal with this? Like that would have been kind of cool. Yeah. Or even at the end when she's doing her little baseball toenail clipping routine, if like they showed Corey with like a little bit, like not even his whole face done in the face mask, but maybe just his T-zone or something Mm -hmm. like he's, he's learning from her. She's learning from him instead of it's uh, always adapting. Yeah. Yeah. Always Topanga adapting to Corey. Such a great missed opportunity. I do want to point out, uh, we talked about asking Eric. I love Eric's interaction. I love like how he just mm-hmm. kind of breezes and because again, as far as he's concerned, this is Corey's room. So he just kind of like breezes in because again, they're brothers. That's what you do. And I, I love that dynamic. And I totally could have seen that being the spinoff show of Corey and Topanga in New York. And Eric is the Kramer next door who pops in. <laughs> he has like these funny interactions like him and Danielle have great chemistry. Like, I yeah. wish we saw more of them together. Like, it was it was great. It was great just to kind of see these actors who have known each other most of their lives get to play as people who because I feel so often in this show, they have 
Eric and Jack um, separated from Topanga, Corey, and Sean, and Angela. And it's just, it's great to be like, oh, wait, no, you know each other. You have seen yeah. together. You could be familiar with each other. And so often it kind of feels like they're discovering each other for the very first time. Yeah. And I feel like that's, it was great that this episode wasn't that. I loved when he was like, Pangy? Damn, girl, you look yeah, bad. Pangy. Was, I love it. I love the familiarity. Like, it's great. The last thing I want to do with this storyline is Corey prays before bed. Yes, I know. And that I was well. like, where are we going with this? And also, I noticed that they were able to circumvent the odd man. Yes. Like, yes. I was like, oh, so you want him praying, but you don't want to kind of like, like you don't want to like ah man or have him on his knees or whatever and it's like, it's just such a weird weird thing to interject in this show yes they go back and forth with it it was kind of corny in a weird way and forced and just mm-hmm. like oh okay Corey can't hear Tamanger coming back in the room also I said to, I turned to Jackie and I said I kind of wish that they had made Corey's character Jewish Right. Just lean yes. into it. Just lean into yes. it. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, we just had the Christmas episode where Eric kind of cries out to God and blames him for um, Tommy coming into his life, even though Eric gaslit an oh. orphanage um, into thinking he was the real Santa, whatever. Um, you, you know, there. You know, we saw Sean cry out to God when Turner got into his accident. But it is this thing of just like the show never really kind of takes like a like definitive stance on where their moral ground are. And it just is interesting because it feels like the whole reason Corey prays is not because he has a relationship with God. It was to sympathize Corey and Topanga's eyes so that she would feel more comfortable marrying him. And it just didn't feel super genuine to Corey's character. Correct. It's, well, no, it felt very on brand for Corey's character, manipulative and Ooh. self-centered. Like I I'm gonna pray extra loud so she hears. Right. <laughs> I would have liked it better if like Eric came in and he was just talking to Eric about like yeah. how he's so grateful to have Topanga in his life, and then that's what Topanga overhears rather than this weird, like almost breaking the fourth wall, telling the audience exactly what they need to hear so that Topanga can hear it type thing. Exactly. Yeah. They also like throw that whole thing where he's like, take care of chat. And you're like, oh, so you do remember that your <laughs> father has died recently. He says, yeah, it's so interesting because he says at the beginning, like they open the show with Corey just being like, I'm so worried about Sean. I'm so worried about Sean. That motherfucker doesn't check in with him no. at any point through the episode, except for like at the very, very end. And it just felt like, where were you this whole time, Corey? Like, it felt very weird because like I understand that Corey wasn't very close to Chet but like for me when when Jackie's dad passed away like I grieved as well so it just felt very weird that Corey could just like go about his day if Alan had died Sean would be right by Corey's side the entire time 100 100%. well I think I love that you guys are pointing this out because you were like he wasn't that close to Chet Chet has been a figure in his life for as long as Sean has been and like the thing about a a dad like Chet it's especially when it's your best friend's dad is you still know that guy Like you have your own relationship with him. You have your own understanding that he's not reliable and that, and when someone like Chet dies, you're like, Oh, he will never be reliable. 
yeah. like that there- opportunity for him to ever kind of show up and be there for us is gone. And so Corey would absolutely not only be aware of like the grief that Sean is going through, having lost a parent after yeah. already not knowing where his mother is, but he would right. also um, have his own relationship with like the loss of Chet. And I just feel like, again, it doesn't make sense for Sean to be so alone this yeah. episode. Yeah. You know, I I just want to quickly say there was that episode, I think it's in like season three, I want to say, I really can't find the actual episode, but there is an episode where Chet's missing and Corey goes looking for Chet. Corey's the one who's like, bro, you need to call your son like he needs you like there have been moments where Corey and Chet have just had their individual time. So yeah, yeah, for him not to even just be like bummed out himself and more so just worried about Sean as if it was a separate individual that he had no contact with is weird. Chet asked Alan. One thing on his deathbed. Take care of my boys. Where is Alan? (laughs) Don't get me wrong. He's about to have a newborn. Yeah. So I I just feel like we could have made time for Alan being there. Or Mr. Feeney. In the background. Yeah, or Feeney. Like these, these people who have been in Sean's life, who know Sean, and all of them know Chet. What an incredible opportunity to have Turner show up. What an awesome time to have Turner show up and just be like, you know, I know it's been a long time. I heard about your dad. I wanted to come here and be with you. Like, oh my gosh. And all the whole, I feel like I have nothing conversation can be had with Turner. You know, like, like, like have him be that or again, or Feeney or Alan or Jack's stepdad. Yeah. You know, like like Turner with Bing Rames. Bing Rames, yes. Yeah. Or Bing Rames. It would have been a would a a, Amy would have been a great like, yes, Mm. there's all these male figures, but like having the only mom figure really that you you know, like Mm -hmm. I just felt like um as a mom and her thinking of Sean as like her other son, she would have been like a helicopter. Like she would have been bringing she... him food. She would have yeah. been like doing things for him a hundred percent. Even pregnant, she would be there. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's weird that they had them be all alone. I feel like having the extras just in the background, picking things up, helping sort mm-hmm. through, and you still get all of these deep heartfelt moments between Sean and whoever. But, like, it just doesn't make sense that he is this alone. Sure, sure. And that would have helped, like, begin his his grieving and processing process to have all of those people there to show him that he does have a support system and he can reach out to anyone at any time and they're there for him and will take care of him as he navigates this new journey without Chad. It also would have added weight to his whole saying goodbye at the end like if everyone's there for you and it's very clear like what they try to do is they have sean is clearly pushing people away that's why he says what he says the jack yeah uh, in the door room so sean is pushing people away so to have everyone be there for him and actually help clean out the trailer and bringing him food and angela being like hey i'll give you space but i just wanted to be here for you all of those things and then having sean be like hey, I just really want to tell Topanga goodbye, would have been like, oh, you know, like, that's where you're like, Show him getting overwhelmed with the sympathy, the attention of it. Like, as much as he appreciates people's kindness, they're constantly reminding him of the worst moment of his life. So, like, having him kind of deal with that would have been interesting. 
a hundred percent i feel like new girl did a really good job of kind of mm. handling a similar situation and having a parallel of the dads just being very similar of of being f-ups essentially sure um when nick's dad died and they showed um winston because winston is like his sean essentially because he grew up with him you see winston kind of having his own grieving process it's silly but he's remembering all the fun that he got to have with you know um gosh what's his name nick's dad yeah so like he emotionally it, it, meets nick where he's at yeah yeah um also, it could have been silly but still yeah chet is a presence chet like like the story of chet like hustling at the college like that is something that Corey or Eric or you know like where's this moment of like everyone just kind of sitting around telling stories about Chet like Chet is a character there are some mm -hmm. unbelievable crazy stories so to kind of have a moment where everyone's at the trailer helping pick up they're telling stories about Chet Jack's getting able to hear all these stories that he doesn't have any like he doesn't have his own chat story and that makes him sad do yeah. you think there should have been a funeral scene or a wake scene to kind of show I, that thing, i don't feel like you have to have that i feel like we could have done all of this in the trailer yeah, yeah. and remove the prayer at the end of Corey's thing <laughs> give us two seconds or two lines of other characters being there and you, again you would still be able to have jack be like, oh, I don't have my own Chet story. And that being his breaking point. And Sean being like, everyone being here for me is overwhelming because I'm an orphan, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I need to start dealing with life as an orphan. He does like, get into that a little bit later on in the season. Yeah, I'm just like, I, yeah. I feel like this would have been a great opportunity for it. Sure. Yeah. Anything I else from anyone? Like, I feel like we've gone so long. <laughs> this is really a lot going on in this season. Yeah. I just want to quickly point out, we didn't get to talk about it. Eric does a fantastic Feeney call in the student union. He also has some fun where he's like, come on, Feeney, get to step in. This dude can totally read. He's just having a lot of fun with uh, Bill Daniels, <laughs> and I love their chemistry. Um, we also just didn't really talk about it, and I just want to quickly point out that, like, Corey's reaction to Topanga being like, oh, this isn't about sex. This is us getting to know each other. Um, as, as funny as I think the visual gag of him sliding on the bed is, and I actually think that that might have been a mistake that he wasn't supposed to go as fast as he did. Like, <laughs> it feels like a blooper that they just kept him because of Daniel's reaction. That could be wrong. Um, it just, you know, to me, it just, we keep going back to this whole idea that Corey is, is telling Topanga essentially that you owe me sex because of our relationship. And so I just think that's one of those things we keep seeing throughout the series in the season, but I just want to point it out. Yeah. I hated the silk robe scene. Like nothing about it was funny to me. Not like even like the psych act, I just couldn't get over the fact that he was like yelling at Topanga for not having sex with him. She was like, this is not about sex. And he's like, you're wrong. And it's just like, like, this isn't funny. You are, pressuring your fiance <laughs> to have sex with you and it's like it's something that you you're owed yeah. and i just couldn't i couldn't laugh at that scene he said his outfit cost two thousand dollars where does Corey get this money from why are you spent you have a wedding coming up bro like right. why are you spending money on on pajamas what's up and you remember like when they end up getting married and living together that they don't have any money 
They spent, spent all that money, money on, on pajamas. On pajamas. <laughs> and didn't even buy her any. Talk yeah. about selfish. Like, this is, a, he didn't get isn't hers he got his <laughs> did he really think that those pajamas were gonna get her to be turned on mm, everyone knows that slippery pajamas is the way to get it on <laughs> i'm not gonna lie tlc's creep oh mm. my god it's one of the sexiest things that i i just feel like it's but, fantastic <laughs> but Corey is not that in that Corey is not all. lisa left eye lopez he's no. not but <laughs> had he done i'm telling you right now i want a scene of ben savage going oh oh like and like the wind blowing has <laughs> like the silk pajamas blowing in the wind that would have been a great gag and i would have loved it well apparently all the boys would uh do a, a backstreet boys song before the live taping and ben would like rip his shirt open and like do a whole thing so so where's that give me that kind of comedy <laughs> and again make it less focused on sex and more of him just like being excited like they can both wear their pajamas and you know whatever i don't know i just want to quickly say that this kind of reminded me of another storyline they did um it was season four episode eight dangerous street or dangerous street um it's the one where uh sean seen the girl who's getting abused by her dad anyways the episode Corey thinks that sean is having sex with this girl so Corey's like oh i want to put the moves on topanga so he invites topanga over he has like grapes on the bed he has like the speaker and she's like bro i'm not into this this scene felt like a far more manic version of that. It just yeah. felt like that scene <laughs> dialed up to an 11. So it's it's one of those things where it's like, I get that they're trying to have fun, but they're also like kind of running out of stories here. So it's yeah. just interesting to start seeing them to kind of repeat different elements. And I don't know why Corey's lying to himself. He is like a Grandpa Joan nightgown with a nightcap type mm. jammy situation. I would have loved him. to see that. Oh my God. <laughs> and Topanga could have been rocking a very stylish moo. I'm just saying. 100%. 100%. Again, like, it's it's very interesting to me that there are moments where it's just like, where's Granola? I grew up with Jedediah Topanga yeah. at. Like, I would have, like, loved yes. some part of, like, him being, like, that mask smells. And she's like, it's all natural. And, like, and, like you know, like, this whole thing where it's, like, they show her making the mask. And, like, that makes sense. And he's like, it smell, it's making the room smell or whatever. It just would have been a great opportunity to remind everyone where Topanga comes from right I I was really upset that like she didn't have the ability in college to kind of like be the activist like they mm. really changed her character from where she where she started of of just being on her own beaten like path you know and I think she could have still did that and still had a relationship with Corey like being at the student union saying, I gotta go, I gotta go protest or something like that could have been like a whole character arc for her. I mean, if Summer from the OC could have that arc. Yes. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. So Season four Topanga. Summer. Yes. Call out. <laughs> or, like to your point, like have, I don't know if it would be like the way, but have like Topanga put up like a pussy riot uh, poster in their yeah. bedroom. Yeah. You know, like something where it's like, oh, again, she's bringing her stuff over here. Uh, when we said moving in together, it didn't dawn on me that you would have stuff to bring. Like, again, right. we can go back to like the incense that she would be doing or something where it's like, Yoga, hey, yeah, yeah, her nighttime yoga routine or something, yes. or, or her um, meditating or something yeah. like that, yeah. you know. 
But no, guys, she's teen beat Topanga now. Like, you have to understand, <laughs> once they realized that, oh, we could just use her to sell magazines and things like that, they stripped all the cool weirdness away from oh. her and made her just this, like, object of desire, the perfect girlfriend. That's why every 90s kid was like, oh, Topanga was one of my crushes, because they wrote her to be that. She was manufactured that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was. Okay, um, I do want to, like, move this along and ask, do you guys have a bruh moment of this episode? No, I, the only comment I came away from was Danielle Fischel has fantastic hair. Amazing Always. Hair. Did you guys see that she's on uh, QVC right now selling hair care products? She's, no. She was born for this. She was born for it. <laughs> for Okay, for me, it, it, it's, it's definitely... I, I would say it's the, the makeout scene at the end. Like, mm. we, I feel like we had a solid episode and then it was just like, wait, what's happening? Why? Yeah. Why? Why is this happening? I don't know. That was like, I don't know. That was mine. My bra moment was Rachel being like, how did you know I do that thing in the shower? <laughs> that was mine. That was what? mine. And he was like, don't worry about it. And I was like, no, I feel like we should worry about it. Yeah. We've already had issues with you recording me without my consent, so we yeah. should revisit this right away. Okay, uh, do you guys have uh, a Feeny lesson? What do you think the Feeny lesson of this episode is? Well, uh... <laughs> <laughs> like a I, it, it, def it definitely has to come from um, either Jack and Sean. What, the fact that Sean came back and apologized for mm -hmm. like how quickly he was kind of snipping at Jack and um, their family, like that they have more that ties them and he, him apologizing and saying like, I felt this way because I just don't feel like I'm connected to anybody. Like I thought that was a really good moment. And I could see like him having, a, again, like we talked a conversation with Feeney to get him to that moment. So I feel like that's probably a, good example i don't know i think just um the, the thing that comes after um someone passes away like especially from a young age understanding like now they have to go and clean out their dad's stuff that he has all these past due bills it's like stuff that no one really talks to you about when you're younger that there's all these implications it's not just the grieving part of it there's like actual work that has to be done yeah. while sure. you're still grieving while you're trying to maintain relationships with other people that may not be grieving in the same way that you are and trying to balance all that out plus they're still in college like yeah. trying to go to class and stuff I'm assuming so it, it's just showing that it, it was a very real episode in that even though Chet is gone there's still a lot of work to be done and and you're going to be reminded a lot of him moving forward. Sure. Um, my Feeney lesson, I think, is just that um, uh, the importance of active communication. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm. Corey and Topanga, they didn't know each other because they weren't really talking, asking the questions that they need to know. Um, Jack and uh, Sean weren't communicating to understand each other's perspective and their individual grieving processes. And, you know, we didn't really talk about it, but there is this whole kind of part of the story where Eric's like, oh, 
me and Rachel are going to hook up and I'm concerned about Jack to how, how he's going to take it. So like not having that communication with Jack and then seeing how that ended up just kind of shows that there just needed to be just more communication between all of the characters. <laughs> yeah. And communication with Rachel. Hey, do you actually want to be with me? Yes. yes. Check. Yes. Check. No. Are you just using this relationship because you're still upset about your ex that you keep mentioning? Like, am I a rebound? Like, <laughs> let's get into it. Right. Yeah, I was gonna just gonna say, like, mine is very similar to yours, T, where it was just like, you never really know another person. I feel like it's that that's kind of like the thing is like you never really know a person so you have to put in the work and the work being communication asking these questions getting to know each other um and I feel like all around every single character like learned more as they asked um except Corey of course who didn't ask any questions and just decided to go on this road trip uh, all right finally what grades are you guys giving this I'm gonna say a B minus because I think that it was for the time period and for the show, they really did dive into um, very serious issues. Mm -hmm. um, and they didn't just like had Chet die in the last episode and just leave it. They really continued to bring it through, which for sitcom, rare. Um, and I think we all highlighted quite a few things that were missing, but it still was, a, I think, a very good episode for the show. I, I wish I could give separate grades for the two storylines because- Yeah. Do it. <laughs> well, okay. Um, so the Jack and, and Sean storyline, I would give either a B plus or an A. Like I think it showed grief and like what happens after someone passes away in a very real way. Mm -hmm. um, for the Corey Topanga storyline, man, uh, like a C minus, maybe even a D plus. Like it wow. was just, it was bad. All it did was highlight that they don't communicate. Corey doesn't listen and he's not willing to like take on any of Topanga's like routines or anything. It's very one-sided. And Topanga is putting in all that work, and I don't. This is the first I'm hearing about their relationship being one-sided. I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna pray about it. That's yes. that's I'm his solution. Pray on it. I'm pray on it. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers. That's Corey. Thoughts and prayers. Where are you at? Um. Yeah. You know. Uh. Like I said, up until the last like five minutes, I thought this was my favorite Jack Hunter episode. Um. I'm gonna give it a B plus. Sure. All right, uh, I'm going to, like, it was really hard. I was going between C plus and B minus for er the, all the reasons that everyone said. It was like, it feels like there's so much good potential here, but I also feel like we've just kind of, like, tore it down for, like, what it also could have been. So I feel like I'm going to give it a B minus just on the sense of I do feel like we bring up really great topics. I feel like it's acted really well from everybody. And I'm just going to take the episode for what it is and not what it could have been. Mm. Sure. Um, okay. Now we have our homework. Uh, we're so excited. Both Jackie and Danielle tell our listeners both where they can find you, but then also if you have any homework of the week. Yeah. What are you guys watching these days? Like what, what are you excited about? Well, I'll start where everyone can find us so jackie and i like we said we host a 90s and 2000s movie podcast it's 
It's called No More Late Fees because we used to work at Blockbuster. And you can find us on pretty much every social platform, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at No More Late Fees. We just watched The Notebook. Amazing. Not one of... Not one of so many thoughts. Faves. So many thoughts. I have not rewatched that movie since like I hate 2003. That movie. I, hate I would it love so to rewatch it. Oh, thank you so much. I hate it too. And I was on with two people that liked it. And it, my was, it was such a moment when it time. came out. It is one of those movies to where I had to deal with so many straight guys be like, the notebook is like the best love movie. And then I watched it and I was like, what are all of you talking about? <laughs> Um, yes, there are, <laughs> we, we talked about, there are some things that like, mm, not <laughs> great, not great, but I did cry at the end, which I was surprised that I would cry again. Um, after all these years, I thought I was going to rip it quite more than I, but it was still to me, pretty solid quality movie acting, the set design, everything like was beautiful um storyline there i had some questions and i definitely pointed out the slave quarters at the plan many various uh, plantations oh we did God. get into that mm -hmm. so <laughs> there's some stuff it yeah. is a nicholas sparks book turned into a movie so i didn't have that much expectation but is it sure. the best love story of all time no it is not <laughs> what would you guys recommend instead oh gosh we talked about this too i love the movie Amelie, a lot. Love that movie. Love that movie. Jackie, my, my recommendation was P.S. I Love You. Like, Ooh. there are very few like melodramas that are more drama than comedy in romance that I like, but that's one of them. And then I just have my like set rom coms that I love. Um, one of which being um, the wedding date, which we'll get to you <laughs> soon. Do you have any homework, Sage? Oh yeah. Oh, so actually, if we're gonna talk about homework and all of like the messiness, I have been watching Riches on Amazon, on Amazon Prime, Prime. And I, TC, I need you to watch this. I it have not is seen. the nighttime soap that you've <laughs> always been waiting for. And uh, like, I chose it for this episode because the entire thing is about a father yeah. who dies and leaves his hair care company in london to his children to all of his children um and some of them are from his second marriage who they live in london and um the company itself is left to his two oldest children from his first marriage uh so it's a lot of sibling dynamics grief um with like losing a father a father that you've never really known like it was it's just a lot of commonality so i was really so sorry a lot of commonality so i was really <laughs> excited to bring it for this episode but also it's just a really good series and it's only eight episodes and yes. it's like it's the black like parallel to the to the tv show secession essentially yes. except the, okay. the dad dies yeah Absolutely. It's okay. really good. And I think you'll really enjoy the characters. Um, there is a lot of just really good back and forth. And uh, like some, uh, and again, it's set in London. So it's like seeing the black scene there. It's actually really good. Just about like inheritance and all this other stuff. I think you guys should check it out. TC, I think you'll love it. All right. I'll have to, I'll have to see, uh, have to check it out. 
What's your homework? Um, you know, I was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to just throw out there for homework. Um, I just saw Woman King. I know you recommended this before. I just rented it because I'm in like the Oscar season and I'm trying to like catch up on all these like performances that people are getting awards for and everything. Um, and I just I saw Woman King and I just thought it was a dope movie. I just thought they did a great job. I had never seen black women like that in cinema before. I had never seen Africa like kind of portrayed like that in terms of the way they did tribes and everything. And, um, you know, it. I just thought that Viola Davis is just like such a force of nature in that film. And there's so many other great performances um, that just uh, Letitia Lynch, who I just saw in Matilda, like singing and being Miss Honey. And then I saw her in this movie being like a fucking warrior. I was just like, damn, what can't you do? So, um, yeah, Woman King, I'll throw it out there. Okay, thank you guys so much for joining us. We really, really enjoyed the conversation that we had with you guys. I'm going to plug myself and beg to be on at some point in time. Oh, please on, have yeah. us on. Please, <laughs> we would love to. I already have a movie have in to mind. Beg. <laughs> uh, Sugar and Spice, have you guys done that? No, You've been begging not. me to see this movie for years. <laughs> see it, and I just love it. I like it's like one of those awesomely bad movies. It's 2001. I made sure to. Be, I was like, does this fit? Yes, it does. <laughs> so, anyway, um, yeah, and, and adding into the list. I, yeah, I'm trying to find the list. Any any other? Yeah, you know, um, me and Siege have. I think we've had conversations about this before, but definitely revisit Josie and the Pussycats if you haven't already. Oh. You know what? Honestly, that movie strangely holds up. <laughs> that one and Spice World has to be the two most requested movies I feel like we get a lot. I, I have seen Spice World more times than I feel comfortable saying out loud. <laughs> I hate and love that movie at the same time. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Again, check out No More Late Fees um, at all of the places. And then you guys can check us out at Bro Meets World, at all of the places for podcasting. Um, you can leave us a voice message. I think we actually have like a few messages. So we're going to have to like do like a mailbag sure. section at some point in time. Yeah. Um, but thank you guys so much. Keep continue to give us five star ratings. We appreciate it. Um, and is there anything else, T? I don't think so. I think we just need to remind everyone to dream, to try. Oh, well, this is where we're supposed I to forgot. remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Do good. Do good. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll be okay. Right it's fine. No, no, no. It's right. From the top. Let's do this. I think it's time we remind everyone to dream, to try, and, and to, do to do good. good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Later, bro. Later, bro. When the spawn meets world.